How are we doing, mates? Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, about to get to my next guest. I'm going to tell you who, who the next guest is um, this week uh, on the show. It is Charlie Furbush, fan favorite here in Seattle. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little local here in my next couple episodes. Um, Seattle people, um, a couple of different athletes who are fan favorites um because mariner baseball is about to get back and i'm about to cover some mariners baseball coming up really soon we're about to kick off in just a couple weeks i'm so excited it's going to be different we all know that it's going to be a little sprint season 60 games i can't wait to get back late july Uh, i've already got my schedule and i'm going to be able to cover some games but um it's been good i've been talking about um i did some stuff on king five just recently um, and just there's just a different vibe i'm walking around green lake with my face mask on wear your face mask all right even if you politically don't feel too good about it, just just throw it on, man. Just stop that that air going all over the place. All right, and so just see what happens, man. I want to get back to back to normal, whatever normal is um, these days. But yeah, just walking around the streets, going into my coffee shop, and everyone's talking about, hey, the season's about to get started, so it's good to finally get back to not, oh, man, this sucks. To something to look forward to. So I cannot wait. Um, the other thing I've gotten back into. Um, back into boxing slowly uh emerald city boxing right up the street from me russ and chloe they are champions i've even got the shirt on check out the shirt love the logo by the way but i, I want to get back in, in, into boxing and not because you know i'm trying to be terry tough guy here but just because it's such a good workout and it's so much fun it's so much fun if you're a dude and you've got that testosterone and, and you need to take it out on something Go, go have a hit. Girls, guys, whoever, if you want to get in shape, great way to get in shape. Um, so I'll keep you posted on that. I'm going to shoot some videos up there and have some good stuff. But again, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. If you're here locally uh, in Seattle, get up to Emerald City Boxing. Come join me. Come have a boxing session. That'd be fun. We don't have to, we don't have to uh, spar or anything like that. I'm talking just get in, get, some, get, get a good workout in. Uh, I had 4th of July. We went up to uh, Bellingham. I have not been to Bellingham since I was 19 years old. And uh, I went up there while I was playing with the Everett Aquasox. But I went to uh, the lake up there in Bellingham, had a blast, got on a boat. I remember my wife said, my wife's friends uh, have, a, have a house up there. Um, and she basically said to me, she said, hey, um, hey, for 4th of July, do you want to go to? And I just said, yes. I didn't even hear what she said. I just wanted to get out of here so bad and go do something. Uh, so that was fun. 4th of July was awesome. Um, and yeah, everything's been going well. I need to plug the podcast. All right. Uh, if you haven't already, click the subscribe button. If you're watching this, if you're listening to it, uh, make sure you click that subscribe button wherever you're at, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, just supports the podcast so I can keep doing this and bringing on all these awesome guests and having a blast with this. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. So make sure you click subscribe and make sure you go to www.thetopstep.com. I know I've gotten a few emails about doing more cartoons. Uh, I will. I'll get to that. Uh, Grant Balfour and me. Uh, and I, sorry, and me, and I, is it and me or is it and I? Uh, we will get to that, I promise you. Um, we're we're going to do some more. Grant has got some epic stories, so do I, and we want to make them cartoons. So a lot of fun. Um, anything else I'm trying to think of before I get into Charlie Furbush? Now, again, Charlie Furbush, let's talk about him. Again, fan favorite character. I remember I left the team uh, 2011. I was watching the Mariners from afar, like I talked about. And just, you could tell he, he was a personality. And then when I came back, the first year was 2016, um, was right when he was trying to make a comeback. But we ran in, I, I don't think we actually met each other. Then uh, last couple, in the last couple of years, I've bumped into him a bunch of places. Cystic fibrosis golf tournament, I've seen him there. Um, also seen him at um, the Cystic Fibrosis Gala as well. 
Uh, he does a lot for, for um, CF here in Seattle. We both hosted the golf tournament, not together, separate years. Um, and then just running into him, running into him down in San Diego and just such a good dude. We have so much fun. We're actually going to do a two part. This is part one. He goes for an hour. We had way too much stuff to laugh about and talk about. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, guys enjoy. I'll get off and, uh, enjoy Charlie Furbush as he joins me on the top step. Stay healthy. Keep the mask on. Let's get back to normal at some point. Guys, enjoy the episode and I'll catch you afterwards. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be... A story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Oh, Charlie, what's going on, dude? Oh, not too much. How are you? I'm doing well. We're talking over. I, I call this, I, I was just bumming my wife out last night because we're sitting down at Green Lake where I'm at right now. And I'm looking around, everyone's got masks on, you know, I'm, I'm you know, talking through Zoom as we are right now. And I, I said, hey, this is what it's going to be like in 10 years. I said, everyone's going to have a mask on. Every, you're not going to hang out with your friends at bars and stuff. Everyone's just going to do it through Zoom. Everyone's going to work from home. It's just going to be like this thing where you've got this giant chair with three screens around you and, and that's how, you know, and you're just going to pop pills to keep you from like going obese. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she's like, will you shut up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, you know, people are going to be carrying around like their ID and then it's like, a, I'm Corona free. You know, that's like the certified yeah. card. I mean, yeah. to like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I already had it or something, you know? So yeah. it's just a wild while we're with him and i know i it's know gonna, we, we've been wearing ton like we we bought some masks from different companies and stuff so we were trying to you know stay on the uh the mask train because right. it probably does help you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i said this i was talking to um Braden bishop who they've just started you know their summer camp um and i just said man like just just wear a mask man like and he, he agreed like just you know what it's this whole thing here in the states and i'm not not because i'm australian and, and knocking the us but it becomes this political thing it's like just just wear one just see what happens you know maybe we can flatten this puppy and everyone go back to normal you know what i mean right i mean you gotta think that like adidas or nike can make some like dry fit neoprene <laughs> Like, you know, our form fitting and put your number on them and everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I said that too. I said, I guarantee Nike's going to come out with some like, yeah, neoprene, like, and every kid who's playing travel ball is going to have that with the leg guard, yeah. but they're still going to have the fringe coming out. The, the, not the fringe. You guys call it the bangs coming. Yes. Our kids, <laughs> they're like 13 and they've got all the gear, man, elbow pad, you know, leg guard. And they look, they look big league. And then they've got the, the bangs coming out the hat. It's like, dude, where does that come in? I don't see any big leaguers doing that. <laughs> I know, right? Kids these days, man. <laughs> yeah. You used to do that though, didn't you? You used to pitch with the, the hair out the front. Yeah. I would say when I, when I didn't have a shaved head, I had the, the full bowl cut, you know, the Lloyd Christmas haircut from Dumb and Dumb. That's pretty much what I look like. <laughs> 
Um, and, and by the way, you and I linked up um, last week. We did the uh, the cystic fibrosis. And again, sadly, it's supposed to be a golf tournament, but we're sitting there over Zoom with Brad Adam and Rick Riz and uh, and Rick Griffin and, and so forth. And dude, I had no idea. I had no idea about your wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that was a tough one, man. I mean, I was we had been engaged for, for a year and a half now, and uh, you know, I was coming up on the gozo, and I'm thinking, all right, this is it. I'm finally. There's no, you know, a couple months out, you just feel like, you know, the excitement's building. You're just getting ready for the day. And, uh, you know, obviously I have, I'm from Maine, so I have a bunch of people from the East Coast coming over. And as this, like, happened, I actually just got back from Arizona. I went down to get my suit, saw some old friends down, you know, right before spring training got canceled. I got back here, and then everything just got crazy. And, you know, we, we were like, are you, you have to be kidding me that there's, is there, I never really fathomed there was a way beyond her or I calling it off that we could actually postpone this thing. So yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, there's no way, there's no way. So I mean, uh, it's crazy. I, I don't mean to laugh. Like I'm not sitting here laughing because I couldn't imagine the logistics. As soon as I heard that we're on the zoom and I'm sitting there and I don't even know if I'm on the screen at this point, but I'm like, you know, dropping a what the fuck like this. I'm like, oh, I hope they haven't got my face because I understand the logistics, man. I had, and you're from the East Coast. I had people, and for, you know, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, basically, what was the date? You were, the wedding? July 11th. Okay. This Saturday. July 11th. And you had to bang it because of obviously, I've I got a question. Could you have done it? Or is like, were they like, sorry, we're out? Or could you have yeah, done so, it and you decided not to do it? Yeah. So basically our venue, you uh told us that they weren't having any events until august 1st you know okay. so basically we were had to come up with an alternative plan um which will bump it to next year uh which will hopefully just be just the same thing just a, a year later um but yeah logistically speaking when you think you have everything lined in and then suddenly you're like oh wait a minute we're back at square one you oh, know yeah. like the whole thing's postponed so it's been uh it's been a whirlwind trying to figure out exactly how we're going to proceed but now that we've locked in and found another, you know, another date next year, it's just going to be able, able to hopefully smooth things over that we don't, we don't have to really replan everything. So you're not losing any cash. I was thinking about this this morning. I was like, hold on. <laughs> did, did they, like, they had to cancel it? Because you got, like, you know, everyone's got plane tickets. You've got hotels and everything else. Are you losing any money here? Or are you, are you, are you in the green? Or we're, we're basically even. I'd nice. say the only, the only thing uh, that, like, vendors had told us were, if you're going to move your date over a year, then there's like a new deposit fee. But since, gotcha. you know, we're, we're going to be under that year. Um, it, it's been basically, everyone's been super, super nice and super uh, easy to work with in the sense that they all know that, that no one wants to postpone your own wedding. So right. it's been, uh, they've been nice about it. So I feel yeah. like we haven't really lost any money and people have just generally been trying to help out any way they can and try and figure out how to still make the day magical. Because I was thinking maybe the venue's like, no, 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 it, it's still available because they're trying to make some money too. And you're like, sorry, we can't do it for a lot of reasons. And they're like, well, you're not getting your deposit back. So that's, that's good. At least, you're, at least you're in the green there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you postpone it, when do you actually, do you just move it to the fall and hope that things are back to normal by then? Or you push yeah. it till the beginning of next year. So it just made the most sense to hopefully keep everyone as safe as possible and uh, move it to next year. Because ultimately, it's it's like the, the weird conversation we had was trying to figure out like, do we really want everyone wearing masks at our wedding? Yeah. Like, like you just think of just pictures and stuff like that, how it would work, and 
it's like, oh man, maybe we should, that's, that's the, uh, the wedding gift to everyone. They're going to get a custom mask from us, right? <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is too, like there's a novelty, like, oh, mask like this on Instagram. And then you look back 10 years from there, like, oh man, what, what are we doing? Yeah, what a bunch of losers, right? <laughs> yeah, what a bunch of dorks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude. Oh, man. There's so many things that go into it. You know, like even we had, you know, we had kids coming over um, on a tour and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, just postpone it. Oh yeah. It's, it's that easy. Like there's just so many little things that go into everything, which is going on right now, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. So, what, what, okay. So, you, you're over here. You're obviously from the East Coast. You played mo- pretty much your whole career here in Seattle, right? <clears throat> Until injuries, yeah. injuries said your shoulder basically said, oh, I'm shutting it down early, right? Yeah. So, what, what do you, what's that? <laughs> They're pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then we, we, I met up with you last year in, was it December I saw you in San Diego? Yeah. yeah. Uh, December down at the, uh, I guess, I don't know the career development program for yeah. us, us MLB alums, you know? Yeah. It's so. like a, it's basically a thing to, to help out transitioning from playing to post playing, which is something that, you know, like I, I, that was my second year going down there. And I remember, you know, the first time I went down, there, I was like, I didn't know what this is, you know? And it's amazing. People don't quite understand transitioning out of playing. Right. And for you too, I remember talking to you, I've spoke to you a couple of times about this, your career got, really short i think right not to not to bring this up but it, it really did get cut really because you would have played another you know five plus years with ease with what you're doing in the big leagues yeah what talk to me about when you figure out that day we like you know what I, i'm done was that for you was that day like was it a sad day where you're like i'm just i'm i'm done dealing with this this shoulder issue right now and i want to talk to you more about your injury but when that day came was that something that was like you know, uh, I'm good with this. I just want to move on. Or were you, was it, was it like a sad day? What was going on? Uh, I would say, you know, it was kind of a weird day. I don't know how to describe whether it was sad or unfortunate or whatever, because I really took the mentality from as I got into baseball, especially the professional side of seeing teammates, friends, other pitchers uh, just have their careers come to an end. And it seemed to be to me that, you know, it either happened really one of two ways and the the third way is just kind of the luckiest of the lucky and it's like either you get hurt and you can't play any game play anymore or or play like you used to be able to or you're just not good enough it just seems to be like one of two ways most athletes careers come to an end so I kind of had that idea that you know what whenever the last time I pitch is it's like I'm not trying I I didn't have any expectations and I wasn't feeling sorry for myself because you know as a kid I'm sure you feel the same way it's like we kind of feel like outliers in a sense of where we came from and how far we were able to take our own careers. Yeah. So it, for me, I look at it in a sense that I just kept, it was just another cherry on top. Every day was just another awesome lucky day that yeah. I stayed healthy. And when I finally uh, had gone through the couple surgeries and, and realized that I just, you know, it, for me, it wasn't worth another shoulder surgery. And I had two rotator cuff surgeries in 2016 and 2017. And it's, it, it puts a toll on my shoulder in terms of how, how I'm able to throw baseball. And I just realized that I'm like, I don't think I can have another arm surgery because I just feel like the more I push this thing, it's just, it, it just, yeah. the shelf life, the shelf life is, you know, in the world of pitching, it's like, I, I threw my last bullet already. You know what I mean? I, I left it all on the, out on the field and 
Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a hard day in the sense that like, okay, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, it's over. But you also have to look at it in a sense that, man, all of the good, awesome, positive times and memories and teammates and games and wins, just all the, all the stuff combined outweighs just being able to not do it again. Like I take so much, so many of my memories and, and, and everything come from the time that I played, Yeah. but I'm not upset that I got hurt. It's just part of the gig. You know what I mean? It's like, we throw baseballs for a living. The thing, the chance, or when I look at other guys that have never had any arm injuries, I'm like, you guys are so, so lucky. You know what I mean? To be able to efficiently throw and recover enough to play 162 games every year. It's just, it's pretty impressive to see, but ultimately it was just one of those days that, you know, I, I wasn't like, I didn't see it coming. I didn't like going into it or going into the, even the first surgery. I realized I, I, that might be it. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my best to get back, but ultimately, you know, I think my body, you know, maxed it out and, you know, I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm tip of the cap to baseball. Thank you for everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I know, I know, man. I have a tough time, like, you know, being present. Like I'm always like, Oh, I'm going to do this, go do that. And I think I did that with my career as well. I was always, I was never like, um, and it's something that like, Oh, I never satisfied, never settled. And it's, it's, it's one of these things that I, I regret because I'm, I'd be in the big leagues just in my last year in, 2010 i played again 2014 but 2010 i was just like oh this sucks can't wait for the off season i look back i'm like dude you're friggin in the big leagues like am i seriously like taking these days for granted because this could be over quick and it was over quick after that you know what i mean did you if you if you walked outside right now and you were teaching a 14 year old kid could you just let it eat or is your shoulder just go nope I could, I couldn't, I could let it eat, or but I just, I know it doesn't fire like it used to. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. The honestly, the evolution of what ended up happening after the second surgery is that I actually tried throwing sidearm to take some pressure off my shoulder. Right. Just after the two surgeries, I just started, you know, angling it, and I still had the range of motion and still get it in there, but I just realized that it just wasn't as effective that it, as I needed it to be. Yeah. And, uh, and the, ultimately, once my my shoulder was actually feeling okay my elbow started barking just from like nice. throwing sidearm. And I was gotcha. like, I don't know what, like, and I already had Tommy John. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. If like, I just, you know, worst case scenario, it's like, I got to get my arm in yeah. because I threw too much, like something right. crazy. But like, ultimately I, I just didn't want to have an arm that I couldn't use because I, you know, was dumb about it or I pushed it yeah. when just my pride outweighed my own health. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what you, up until what year were you still throwing? Like, I want to make a comeback. Was that last year or two years ago? So last year. So I, I had surgery in 17 and then yeah. it wasn't until March of 2019 that I was like, yeah, I'm, this ain't, this ain't going to work anymore. So it's right. on to, you know, that whole transition, which is a, yeah, yeah. another whole, another whole challenge in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard, man, because, and there's different things. It works two ways. One, it's like, um, and, and talking about that, um, that career summit, cause we're around a bunch of, a bunch of very, um, bunch of, you know, very motivated, driven people, baseball players that have a massive skill set. And you look at them and go, Oh, well you can just get into coaching or you can get into this or you can get into that. It's not that simple though. It just isn't like when I was playing, I was like, Oh, I want to get done. I'll just, you know, I'll coach, you know, and, and everyone will just call me and ask me to coach. <laughs> yeah, and your buddy Andy Graham, right, with the mm-hmm. Tigers, he said, "Man, he's coaching, right?" And I'm just using coaching as an example. But he's coaching. He's like, "Dude, you have no idea, man. There is like resumes this thick full of ex-pro guys who want to coach." 
it's it's tough, man. It's just such it's such a and you feel like you're on your own because you're not around other players trying to do the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Well, the hard part is just finding the other passion. I mean, for me, there's there's no way that I would have pitched as long as I had pitched in the big leagues if I wasn't like all my eggs yeah. in one basket. Yeah. Like I was all in. It, yeah. Like if I had to take a day off mentally, then I was, it was over. I was, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't in it for the right reasons, you know, like, and yeah. that's just how it worked for me. So I think that as a, as how that evolved over my career now transitioning that skill set or that mindset to something else, it's trying to find another full passion that you enjoy doing. And yeah, yeah I think, I think coaching is something that we find an easy transition in because yeah. it's still involved in the game, but there's just a lot to, see and enjoy in the world yeah. and how yeah. that you know sparks everyone's interest is different so i mean it's just the hard hard transition of trying to figure out what's right for you and you kind of just have to try a few things and see what happens and then on top of that you know not to pile on here but on top of that you have this last three months you know covid of just like where it's like oh well you got to stay home now and i'm looking like i've got neighbors down here and the guy's just like doing his morning run coming but he works at amazon like he's a techie you know yeah i'm like yeah. oh he's sweet man he's good to go like he's just in there banging i can look straight into his window by the way <laughs> <It's brutal. laughs> they literally just moved in here and my neighbors have got they're not listening but um the guy they're awesome they're a young couple and you know they're sitting there they're both one's on one level one's on the other one it's like a townhouse and i'm looking yeah. and they're just bashing away at that computer because they both work in like it like they're set man i'm like i'm mad like i'm jealous of them because i'm like dude they're, they're killing it they're, they're young they're making a ton of cash i'm sure i don't know and they're sitting there and they're just banging away the computer but on if you're a you know if you have a skill set like yours or like mine whatever you're sitting at home going well i'm freaking what am i supposed to do right now <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's gonna be hard man It'd be tough it is. i mean i it's like to think that if I had want, went back to do like some sort of like computer science engineering and coding, it's like, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, yeah. they are doing all this stuff on the computer that is a very specific skill set, which they probably are really good at. And, yeah. you know, for, and you know how long it took for us to master our skill. I mean, yeah. it takes virtually a lifetime in a sense, 20 years to really hone in exactly how consistent you can be. So yeah, it's uh you know, I think we, we kind of, I don't know about you, but like, like to perform in a sense, like you want to yeah. put a, yeah. you know, you want to earn it, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, you know, I feel useless at the moment, just doing, sitting around doing nothing. I'm just like, hey, God, hey, kids. Like, yeah, my kid's like, uh, Dad, why don't you go do something? Anyway, but um, hey, what do you think? Do you, do you, you know, keep up with Major League Baseball at the moment at all? Yeah. Obviously with but the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, watching every single game, but I definitely keep up with news. I obviously have former friends that are not yeah. former friends, friends that are still playing. Um, so always keeping tabs on the guys that I was close with, but yeah, I've, I've, i watched quite a bit. I feel like I, I can understand quite a bit what's going on and I was yeah. obviously involved in the union. So there's a whole nother aspect of, you know, union affairs as well. So I, I felt like I'm, I stay engaged as much as I can. So you were involved like lately with, with everything going on with the union and the owners? Uh, not necessarily involved. I would say, you know, I'm, I'm watching it intently because I, I think it's a, an ever evolving situation that I hope one day it just gets, you know, right on both ends. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, there's too much tug and pull and yeah. all the perception of what it looks like to the media or to the public uh, through the media. It's just like, it's hard to, 
figure out, you know, who's <laughs> it's like someone's trying to make somebody the bad guy. It seems yeah. like, you know, and it's exactly. like, all right, let's just uh, get on the same page. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, you know, obviously easier said than done, but that's right. what I noticed too. I, I find that in the, in the, in the U S and again, not because I'm not coming over here, some foreigner going, Oh, the U S you know, whatever, eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> and, uh, but I find that like over here, it's this good versus bad mentality where I'm, I'm on this team i'm all in on this team i'm all in on that team i'm talking like politics i'm not going to sit here and start you know spurting out politics but it's like yeah can't you be in the middle or can't you just kind of say oh yeah i kind of like what they're saying and the same thing with the union and the owners it's like it's this battle of who's going to get the best pr who's going to come out of this looking the best and yeah. they're both losing i feel like i i agree i think there's just i wish there was just a better uh you know, transparent negotiations, if you will, you know, being able to be like, Hey, we're both trying to reach the same thing and let's just do it fairly. And I, you know, it's a business. So it's like, you're trying to get the business to overall continue to generate revenue as well as taking care of the product yeah. on the field, allowing you to create that revenue. So yeah, it's a, it's an ever evolving, you know, I guess mathematical situation, if you will. <laughs> Did you ever look at this and, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but you're an ex player. So you can basically, you know, trash whoever you want. Um, and that's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes. No, but <laughs> I hope you're ready. Um, do you ever feel like when this all started, you know, when, if it was some sound bite or comment, everything gets so blown out of proportion on social media. Did you ever feel like, oh, the players here are being greedy or the, the players here, it's like this mentality of, oh, you guys are millionaires, just get back out and play. Did you ever feel like that? I did not. I think that I'm sure you agree. It's the player's window to make any sort of money is just so small, you know? So it's like, I feel for the player that has to take the pay cut, you know, but I, it's just, you know, especially as relievers, especially as, you know, the 23rd, fourth, fifth guy on the roster. I mean, you're the way the teams are, are set up. It's just, there, a lot of them are going young for good reason. Yes. You know, you're going to get the most out of that player. I understand. And trying to come up with a formula that allows you to win games as well, as well as financially be savvy and not yeah. feel like you're breaking the bank. Um, I understand all aspects of it, but I just, I think I, as a former player, I feel for the player knowing that that's part of, uh, the great lucrative industry that you're in, you know, it's yeah. like you can, you can earn quite a, quite a great living. And I think, you know, in baseball, there is a, there is a giant spectrum from, you know, the rookie to the yeah. Bryce Harper's of the world. So I, I know. And, and you make a great point because I think people forget that literally 80% of baseball is that dude. And again, they're making a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's, it's more no. than what my, my friends here are making, you know, two oh, doors yeah. down. I'm looking in their townhouse window, but it's a lot of money, but first of all, that that window is so small. And then when you look at guys like let's talk about the Mariners, Tom Murphy. I use these two examples: Tom Murphy and Austin Nola, right? Two guys who they actually made a bit of a mark last year. This was their year, man. Twenty twenty, they're that the twenty third, twenty fourth guy on the roster where they're getting a chance to play every day, and they're getting a chance to catch and and you know have a massive skill set. And they've got all these young players, like you said, right over their shoulder, part of this rebuild. And they're looking at this, going, "This sucks, man." Like, as far as this is my chance, not only obviously to play, but to make as much money for my family as possible here. And you can't just cave and, and, and go, oh, yeah, I'm just happy to play and take a, whatever the pay cut is and everything else. I think that gets lost sometimes when you look at 
you know, obviously, oh, I kept seeing Garrett Cole's name come up. It's like there's only a couple of Garrett Coles in this league. And yeah. the rest of us are guys who are just trying to stay in there as long as we possibly can before we make that transition and live the rest of our lives and try and do something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, especially given what's going on in the world and like just what we're dealing with with coronavirus, you know, you've seen some players in various sports uh, opt out of the season. Yeah. And most of the guys that are opting out have are under contract or have financial yeah. stability that allows them to take that time off and whatnot. But everyone else, like you said, is in the league. It's like, I need to, I need to make money. I need to play. I need to make sure that I play well enough to have a job next year. Yeah. And I, that's going to be another interesting facet as to how it moves forward is suddenly some of these free agents are, are being judged off of 60 games instead of 160. Yeah. Games. So how, how that plays out and, how people evaluate the talent is going to be interesting to see how it you know evolves in the future. Yeah, and, and make a good point because some of these young guys, I mean, you can go out and dominate. Like some of these dudes who just kill it in spring training, right? Because it's completely different. You know, like it's not 45,000 people in the seats. It's not mid-season. That, that's another interesting point because you got starting pitchers who I like to evaluate, not trying to be old school or salty here or anything. What do they do 100 innings plus? What do they do if they're like a Charlie Furbush that has to pitch every day and now we're five months into a season? How's that, uh, how's that arm feeling? How are you going to get through that, that Sunday afternoon? Was, you know, all those things that you, you can't evaluate now at all. Right. I mean, yeah. you can't. The other thing that's going to be interesting as well is just as a, you know, as a reliever, I mean, even – my debut, it's like coming into a situation when there's runners on base, you're on, like, even if they're hauling the road, knowing that you've got to come in and clean up the mess. And the crowd usually is not exactly, you know, cheering you on if you're on the road. Yeah. Now that's not even there. So it's definitely yeah. going to be a whole new dynamic of pitching of being able to stay within yourself and not, you don't even have to worry about any sort of fan crowd interaction that could distract you at any moment. All right. Talk about that then. And, and just jump and ship you. I'm jumping all over the place. The crowd. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay on script here. Hold on one second. Let me, I'm, I'm just going to edit this out. Now, hey, so, so speaking of that, and people ask me all the time, oh, what's it like playing without a crowd or with a crowd? What, how do you feel like that's going to affect playing with no one in the stands? I, I think it'll affect uh, certain guys more than others. I think some people, would probably prefer at some level there were no fans and just let me kind of get in the zone silent, you know, more quiet, like if you will. But I think that other people really enjoy that. And also from a team aspect, that's where really sometimes that crowd, the fan interaction brings momentum that you didn't know was there. Yeah. You know, people are cheering for you yeah. or excited about a run or excited about, you know, a big out. And I think that that right there is going to allow teams to, you know, I guess, figure out a little things, you know, tougher situations easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like if I'm in the eighth inning and I come into, you know, a, a base loaded jam, two outs, and we're playing, you know, in Yankee Stadium and there's no one to yell at me. You yeah. know, it's, it's so like, different. It's like, you know, I, I just, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's anybody that actually doesn't like it and maybe like their play suffers a little bit because yeah. they enjoy that fan interaction. They enjoy the – momentum that's created the excitement of a ball game and that'll that'll just be interesting to see how this plays out and obviously with all the COVID stuff it just makes me think it's like I think I heard this the other day but it's like whoever stays the healthiest is has the best chance yeah, you know if your absolutely. team doesn't yeah. get COVID and you can survive this 
and you have a best chance to to get yourself a ring. So yeah, I mean, think about that. You're talking like you know middle of August or, or whatever September, and um, yeah, Mike Trout goes down, and yeah, two starting pitchers go down because of COVID, because it's asymptomatic. Like, oh, I've got it, really, and yeah. I'm totally fine. I can. That, that's another element you don't even think about. Back to the fan thing, though. I will say this. I and thinking. About, I was just thinking about while you were talking about it. You know, Yankee Stadium to I used to get nervous pitching at home. I was like, oh, pitch on the road must be nerve-wracking, this and that. I used to get nervous pitching at home because I'm like, oh, man, people are here and I don't want to suck in front of them. <laughs> if I was on the road, like if I was in like Baltimore or something and or wherever, and I don't really care about the, the opinions of, you know, 30, if it's a packed house, then I'm like, eh, whatever. You know what I mean? Whereas, but two things. One, pitching at home when you want to do really well and you don't want to like, you know, let people down or people to witness you sucking. Right? Yeah. That's number one. I used to get nervous about it. And the other one is um, I remember like pitching in places where like the game's starting to get, you know, get crazy and everyone's starting. To, and then you start picking off and the crowd starts booing you when you're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that dude, that used to get me all the time. I used to, the catch would throw down the pick sign. I'm like, no, not again, dude. Are you kidding me? I'd pick over and I'm just going to be turning around, Shut up. Everyone shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Everyone boos that. Everyone boos. If you're on the road and you throw over to first That's the best. Oh, you suck, man. I'll get you you hold the runner. Yeah, yeah. You're scared. You're too scared to throw the ball. Like you're out there shivering or something. You don't want to throw. That's, that's great. That's great. That used to get me, dude, because I used to get all like rushy. I'm like, oh man, I better hurry up and pitch, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but it, 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 I, you know, I'm thinking about more and even talking to you about that is because everyone's like, oh, what's it like not pitching in front of a crowd? I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. But dude, like some guys are going to dominate because there's no crowd. Right. I couldn't imagine like you can, like I remember pitching on backfields, like in rookie ball, and no one's there. You can hear, you know, two dudes talking on, in, in the dugout. It's so quiet. Yeah. Right. That was easy, man. That was, that was so easy. Yeah, yeah. I felt so too. I mean, that's like kind of, you deal with that through your minor league career at some yeah. level where you're just playing kind of in empty stadiums. And I, I think it allows you to kind of come into your own. Some people allows it like, all right, there's no one, there's no one messing with me externally. It's this like, I can now get a better focus of what I need to control, yeah. get right. myself, you know, perform and throw high quality strikes. You know, it's like, I think that'll help some guys. Some guys that might, you know, I'd say, you know, some guys enjoy that. I mean, think about the thing that makes me think about it. If uh, you remember John Rocker, yeah, yeah, yeah. when there's no fans at all, it's like he's yeah. and coming in out of the bullpen. It's like it would just seem kind of like fake <laughs> if there was no fans, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like, dude, just chill out, all right? Like, yeah, well, let's get through this game. It's like spring, like get your work in and get off. Yeah, you're right, dude. Could you and even like uh, Grant Balfour? I don't know if you you would have played against him. For Acting sure. like a maniac with no fans, everyone be like, "Dude, chill out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, echoing throughout the stadium, right? <laughs> I I didn't even think that. What about too? And, and this is another thing I was thinking about. If you're making your debut this year, that's gonna suck, man. Like making your debut oh. with no one, no fans there, because one, your family, the chance to have your family there, and two, just zero atmosphere. Oh, here's yeah. my debut. Show your grandkids. You're like, uh, no one's there, Dad. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's. I didn't even I think of that. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, see, like, there. I go both ways sometimes, but I'm like, sometimes I like, given what's going on, I'm like, I wish I was still playing because I'm like, that'd be awesome just to yeah. be old and still fishing. But right now, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I'm glad I'm not playing because there's a lot of yeah. you know, 
you know, the game is changing, if you will, right? It's like, not that it's changing in a poor or bad way. It's just evolving in a way that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Not, not just from what we're dealing with, but even the statistical side of things. Hey, when you came up with the Tigers and, and then you, you got traded to the Mariners, but you've always been like a character. You know, you've always been yourself, like fan favorite, you know, just basically being yourself. I, I watch some young, you know, when young guys come up, they feel like they have to be a pro's pro. And all of a sudden, they're completely different. I've seen them, you know, I'm just thinking back. And, and when I, I came up in 2007, I don't know how it was in, it was 2011, right? Yeah, Before, yeah. So 2007, you had to keep your mouth shut. Like you could not act like, first of all, no social media, mate. If you got on social media, oh, you'd cop it. Um, yeah. and that changed, but that changed pretty quickly. But I had to sit in my locker, keep my mouth shut, this, that, and the other. But when you first came up, were you very reserved and like trying to be a pro's pro or were you just being yourself from the, from the, from the get-go? I, my, from the get-go, that's like, <laughs> you know, I think that's what I always took pride in. It was like, I know who I am. I know, yeah. you know, what I am and how I act and everything. I wasn't going to allow my, you know, emotions to like overtake me or, yeah. you know, make me try to act differently. I would say in the beginning, yeah, when you get called up, you're probably not going to be the one that is like chatting up everyone and asking questions left and right. You kind of let it naturally happen and, you know, pick the time in the lunchroom or in the weight room or in the training room to get to know some new guys and questions that you just don't ask normally or whatever. But yeah. that's one of those things that I think that goes so far inside of a clubhouse is that when somebody can actually be themselves instead of trying to be that pros yeah. pro or trying to be somebody they're not. And I don't know how many players I've come across that are, if they could just be themselves, they would be awesome. But yeah. like, like they're in, they're their own worst enemy. You know what I mean? Right. And they don't even know it. And it's like we all get to that point at some point where we're trying too hard, or we want things too much, or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like trying to get to the place where, you know, it's like don't let the highs get too high, and don't let the lows yeah. get too low. Just yeah. Stay right in the middle. And I think that's what baseball allows you to do. It's like if you can allow yourself to accept every one day at a time, accept that you are going to suck at time. You play yeah. 160. 62 games. It's not like you're going to win every game. It's not like you're going to, you know, be the Cy Young or MVP every year. It's a, it's, it's a grind. There's a lot going on. So it's like, you have to understand what you can do mentally to prepare yourself every day versus yeah. what you need to do, you know, outside of things or whatever. But yeah, I, I was always myself. I felt like that's, I, I felt that it helped me uh, learn about other teammates learn about how they are, how they learn, how they're success, how they handed success, how they handed failure. And then it gave me a sense that, wow, not many people in the clubhouse you realize are kind of open books, if you will, and yeah. willing to be vulnerable. But it, it, it really brought me like a new sense of like leadership amongst teams, you know, like yeah. being able to be that, that, you know, that bridge that allows even uh, some of the Latino players that like, you know, being able to speak with them and then have them get to know some more other, uh, American guys. So it's, it's a, it's quite a facet of what baseball is. And that's just crazy. I mean, you know, I, I never thought in my life I'd ever even meet anybody from Australia. You know, it's like, it's crazy how things just, we all have this mutual respect for the game and how bad we want to play and win, but trying to come up with a formula for each individual that allows them to buy into the yeah. team and, you know, be themselves and not feel that they can't be themselves. I think that's what's some people have tried. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to be too much of myself. Then people are going to think differently yeah. or I'll be judged in a poor way. But it's like I think ultimately if you're coming from a good spot, you'll always be taken the right, right. way. 
Have you, and, and you don't have to elaborate here or give names. Did you ever have teammates you like, I just cannot stand this dude? Just a bad teammate or just somebody like, just keep me away from him? Uh, that's a good question. I, I can't say that I have had personal experiences that it's been like, wow, that's like, you know, I, I think I've been more of an outsider looking at other situations between teammates. Right. Uh, and yeah, and some of the stuff I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, we both have come across the cast of characters that, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, when they get, when they get heated, it gets crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I always go back and, and, you know, tell me if you think this is right. I feel like four o'clock or whatever, five o'clock batting practice, when you stand out there shag and you see those little clusters of groups, that's where the, bad energy on a team can be really can really take off in other words like you know if you're on a if you, i've been on a couple of bad teams right and five o'clock you know you've got the little group of um you know guys who all listen to the same music who are all bullpen arms or whatever right here and they're all sort of there's that that you know that gossiping or talking about other guys oh yeah what about the coaching stuff i feel like that's where those little cancers show up do, do you agree with me do you have those experiences where batting practice where like you're sitting in those groups and you've just lost, you know, eight out of 10 and everyone's starting to point fingers? Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely seems to be somewhat accurate. And I think that in those like skids where you're not winning, it's yeah. just, you know, that's where that, that, you know, I can't worry about the eight out of 10 we lost. Yeah. I have to try and focus on winning tonight. Right. And it's hard. It's hard when you get in a rut, when you start sucking for a while, you're like, well, I need to just throw the whole game game plan away and try something new. And I think that when you're in that skid and you're having those conversations in that batting practice time out in the outfield, it's just, it almost like gives you too much time to think, yeah. you know, and it, it gives you too much time to reflect upon the, the bad things. And it just becomes a little bit easier for some people to not necessarily become like a cancer on the team, but just yeah. become more like selfish and picky. Yes, and You know exactly. what I mean? I think yes. it's like, that's where, you know, if you can just buy into the fact that this is all about winning the World Series and doing everything you can yeah. individually and, you know, as well as being a great teammate uh, and getting to know your teammates, I feel like I'm, I guarantee you, we both play with guys that, that just don't open up. You can talk to them all you want, yeah. but they just don't want to right. be friendly or yeah. open and you know, and that's fine. You know, some people are the way they are and yeah. no big deal, but it does allow when the quiet guy or the guy that's reserved or, you know, he pops a comment in that's funny or whatever. It just, you almost feel like you just got to know him that much yeah. more. You know, it's right. like, and you had guys that just were more willing to open up instead of maybe having that experience that you and I similarly had where it's like, yeah. You go to your locker and you just be yourself. And then, yeah. you know, if you're good enough, then you can come out of your shell. <laughs> yeah. I, and on the flip side, though, you know, I've been on teams where you've got, a, you know, one or two guys in each little group. So, like, you know, the infielders and the outfielders, the starters and the bullpen guys, someone who is not going to put up with that. It's just like, no, nah, this is how it is. If we're losing, it's like, hey, we're all good. We're all good. And it just eliminates, even if you do have that two or three players on a team, it just eliminates any of that spread because it's easy, man. Like it's easy if you were like, you know, sitting there with a five ERA or something and you're usually an upbeat positive person, but you're going through something and then someone standing next to you is like, Oh, how about when, you know, the, the hitting coach, blah, 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 said this. And you just kind of jump on that train and boom, all of a sudden <laughs> that five turns to a six quick. You know what I mean? Not that you have had a six in the big leagues, but you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it, I feel like it just puts the fire out. I've been on teams where you just have that, you know, leadership, 
on, you know, like in the players I'm talking about, you know, not so much coaching staff, whatever, but someone who just, they'll walk over to that little group or in that area in the, in the outfit batting practice, for example, on the plane or whatever, and just puts that out in two seconds, just with their energy or, or being themselves or allowing you to be yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say the best teams usually have a position player and a pitcher, yeah. whether it's a bullpen guy or not, like that are the gaps that bring both of those groups together. Yeah. Because yeah. we do spend a lot of time with pitchers and they spend a lot of time with hitters and, and the position players spend time together. So yeah. having uh, somebody, in a, you know, usually it tends to be a catcher that can yeah. does both that brings, uh, brings the guys together. That's like, that's huge. Cause then it allows, you know, cause sometimes when you're on a team, you kind of like, as a pitcher, I'm like, I, I'm so foreign to what the hitters do. They don't talk to me. They don't, I don't you go look at it or whatever, but, you know, because some of that stuff, they're these hitters are working so hard at their craft, trying to yeah. perfect it. That you know, they tend to spend so much time at that instead of not necessarily spending time with their teammates and spending time with the idea right. that if we can continue continually to build our own relationship, it'll only help us on the field because it right. just gains trust. It gains, you know, like it'll allow you to be a better teammate and picking guys up when they aren't doing well. It's like I don't know how many times that I've been crappy or let somebody or seen somebody else be crappy but it's like yeah. you go pick somebody up and let them know it's not as bad as it seems is it goes you know so far throughout a season yeah. being like you're still really 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 good don't forget about how yeah. good you are yeah you know, like we all know how good we can be and how you know we want to be as good as we can be all the time but you also have to take that with a grain of salt knowing that you will suck from time to time. Yeah. So it's just understanding the roller coaster ride, man. And don't let those highs get too high and the lows get too low. Just try and flatten it as best you can. Yeah. I, I was a roller coaster guy, dude. I'd be on a good streak and I'm walking. <laughs> hey, what's up guys. Hey, what's going on? High five and hat on backwards. And then I'll have a couple of bad ones. I'm walking in like head down, like, you know, just being a complete, just slob sitting in the dug in my locker. And just like, <laughs> I was that dude. But no, you're right, man. Yeah. It, the, the times where I just kind of like stayed right here. I was, I was good to go. And it's funny too, man, like you can't really quantify like team chemistry, but anyone I've talked to who have come out of nowhere, like for example, the Tampa Bay race talking about Grant Balfour, right? I talked about him earlier. He talked about that team. He goes, man, this, this locker room, everyone is a bunch of young guys, but they had just that everyone could be themselves. And this is back in 2008, which, you know, it's a little bit different now. Everyone could be themselves, but you had those, those older dudes who just kind of like, you know, steered the ship and you guys, and it's, it's just funny. Like I've been, I've been on some teams with just a bunch of dudes, just, Oh man. Yeah. Hitting sub 200. And that just, that just spreads. You know what I mean? I know. And that's like, you know, that's part of what unfortunately unfolds itself throughout a season. And you realize that it's tough. We all want to be the, the top of our game always, but you know, does that's trying to just, always have faith in yourself and realize that it's part of the process. You know, we all, you know, and I think that's something we, we learn at younger ages or whether it gets to the big leagues and that's when we first fail. There are just, you know, it's how you fail in your life and react to that and gain yeah. uh, some positive experience from it allows you to then move forward and apply, apply what you learn differently. So yeah, it's just, a, it's the baseball is such a, there's so many games. So there's like trying to come up with a formula that will allow you to at least win a hundred games every year. is like, good luck, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good I know. Luck. Hey, by the way, that backdrop of yours, it's famous. I see it. I see it from time to time on the news and I can see the, you say Lutka, right? Lutka? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the jet. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, got the yeah I, I mean, staring at it the whole time. And if you, if you're listening to this, basically Charlie's got a shrine of himself behind him. It's basically, he's got the Jersey, he's got the helmet, he's got the, um, he's got everything. I have been a part of a no header across the back backdrop. So make sure you go to YouTube and check it out. Hey, how did, how did you and Michelle, obviously Michelle, um, she's a bit of a personality in Seattle. How do you guys meet? Well, uh, I would say, well, we met at a bar. Uh, <laughs> that's the simple way. Hey, you I, can I, say anything. I'm just going to edit this out. No, it's fine. Even though, even though people are listening to it right now, they, <laughs> <laughs> they go for it. Yeah, no, we, we met out, um, in, at a bar and, um, I honestly thought that, you know, she knew who I was, but we kind of, cause she'd come to spring training and, and done some, I guess, brief interviews for, uh, for her station and, you know, I, I never, she never interviewed me, so I didn't think anything of it, but I think I recognized her. So when I was in the bar, I, I realized I was like, oh, I know you, uh, you know me. Right. So I went up and just introduced myself, not thinking anything of it. You know, I just felt like I would be better off introducing myself and saying, hi. Is this than, after a game one time? Is this during the no, season? The off season? Okay. Oh, so you didn't have your, your jersey on after the game? No. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't bring the dirty uni home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, I I didn't think anything of it. I had no idea, like, to think that that was the moment that, you know, started it all is is pretty remarkable because I just was trying to make sure that I introduced myself and said, hey, I know you may, you know, talk to a couple of my teammates, just wanted to say hi. And yeah, I'd say from that moment on. Did she say, I don't know who you are, dude? Yeah. <laughs> did, did she just, did, she was just like, yeah, I don't know. Who you are. Sorry. No, she, she recognized me. I think, I don't know if she knew my full name or whatever, but um, she recognized my name once I said it. So I think that was at least halfway decent. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Who, who are you? I, I don't know you. <laughs> you, you. You didn't go on, you didn't go on baseball reference and say, oh yeah, here you go. <laughs> And this is, I actually keep a, you know, about a half a dozen tops baseball cards of mine. Yeah. So, there's, there's my business card. <laughs> so, so what year was this? 2015. 2015. It was, uh, I was actually at a Seahawks game. Um, and it was after a Seahawks game. And yeah, I, uh, it was the, the Seahawks won. I met her and then. Was she working that game? Was she working the Seahawks game? Yeah, she was. So was she decked out in like like the the um the like the the, the pullover and everything from the station or no? Uh, she had a jacket on, so maybe underneath. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. I mean, still it was the Janu- microphone. She it started- was January, so a little a little chilly out, you know. <laughs> she still but, had the microphone in her hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I I know the night ended well because I I went to Dick's uh, Dick's drive-in, got some Dick's burgers there, and that was uh, it was a perfect way to end the night. Okay, I'll say, so you guys went to, to Dick's Drive-In together? No, I, I went afterwards. I went gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Nice, no, I'll shout out to Dick's. Uh, we, we met and then I left and as I was walking home, I was like, uh, I, gotta, I gotta try these infamous Dick's Burgers here. Yeah, you know, yeah. Especially, that was like my first late night experience at Dick's and it was, right. it was a sight to see. Yeah, it's good, yeah. <laughs> I've got like, by the way, if you, if you move this computer this way, there's just all like burger wrappers, like Dick's burger wrappers, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, okay, and then from there, you just what? You just you guys just went on a date or something after yeah. that? Yeah, so we we followed each other on Twitter, 
And then that we started communicating that way. Yeah. And then uh, she, I, I asked her out um, to coffee and she said yes. And we ended up talking for like two hours. And I, the next day I, I was actually going golfing, but I had like a 45 minute window that I was like, are you around? You willing to grab another coffee? So we went and had another coffee and, and oh, awesome. hit it off again, like two days in a row. And it was like, okay, all right. We'll just, I just realized that for me, I had to, you know, just had to take it a day at a time and see where it went. I had no idea that it would turn into what it would be, right. you know, even a couple months later. I mean, it was, it's awesome. I mean, I'm happy. I'm super happy. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, yeah, but you put the wedding off for a whole nother year, dude. So what's going on? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, not by choice, right? Yeah. Hey, um, so, okay, so that was 2015. And uh, so then, tw so basically, so she's been with you throughout the whole, because the next year, 2016, you, you're trying to pitch, right? Well, so 2015 was the year I got hurt. So I was, right. I, we, we had met in uh, like, so January 2015, and I was playing oh, all gotcha. 2015. And then, yeah, it just, the shoulder said, Good job, buddy. I don't got any more bullets left. <laughs> <laughs> do, you ever, uh, do you ever blame her? Are you superstitious? Do you ever blame her for the shoulder issues? <laughs> no, I, I think uh, it is just part of it, man. You know, it's yeah. like it, I had already had elbow surgery, so I'm like, I'm a pitcher. The, the chances of me yeah. never having an arm injury ever again aren't like like 100% by any means. Yeah. So I just kind of knew that whatever, if I get hurt, I get hurt. It's not like it was I'm trying to get hurt or I'm like, yeah. Oh, let's try and do something so crazy on the mound that I like throw out my shoulder and my career ends, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, didn't, it didn't exactly go that way. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the reason I say that is because similar with me, I in 2000, I met my wife, uh, Amanda, 2000, at the end of 2009. And literally she got like 2010 when I was just miserable. I was having such a bad year. And I'm like, man, you missed all the good years. Like what happened? And I joke with her. I'm like, you're, you're the reason why I, I started sucking. <laughs> Uh, see, I was I, I, for me, I was like pitching the best I'd ever pitched. Like right. I was in a place in 2015 where yeah. I was like, man, I can, I felt so in control every time I pitched, yeah. you know, and it's not like we never feel out of control, but when, you know, I, it was, it was got to a point where I just felt like I was never going to be, yeah. you know, beat, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and then I got beat by my own shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great feeling too. And you just feel like, yeah, I can try this pitch down and away and you ain't going to do anything with it. You know? Oh my God. It's, it's a, that, those are the, you know, we probably have similar, I think when we talked on the, uh, uh, the cystic fibrosis call, Rick Riz had mentioned that, you know, you, you faced Josh Hamilton, uh, what after Griffey and you're in yeah. your debut. And I remember he's just an example in my career that I, I was like, I couldn't have looked forward to facing anybody. I loved facing Josh Hamilton because right. I just knew he didn't have a chance. Yeah. You know, it was like, those are the days where, especially when you, if you're in a rut or whatever, if you're not facing, you know, you, you would play the AOS quite a bit. So yeah. but if you're, you have two bad games and then I was like, Oh, let me, let's, let me get in that bat against Hamilton. I'll get back to normal. You know, like I'll, I'll dial it in. It's just, you know, it was one of those things that I recall one of, one of the few hitters I remember facing that it was like, this is, I'm, I am just dealing, you know, we, ha we actually have a caller, someone calling in. It's Jay Hamilton, right? He's calling into the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Welcome to the... 
he's definitely listening. He, he's one of the 32.6 million people listening to this podcast right now. So Absolutely. <laughs> no, he, it, I hope he's just tipping his cap, you know, to both of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got me. <laughs> I'm sure. He, I'm sure he got me pretty good after that. I was, I was floating at that point. Who was, who was the toughest out for you? The toughest out for me was honestly, this is when uh, it changed because when I first got called up, I was a starter for a little while in 2011. So I was able to go through some lineups and face some teams. And at the time it, it, it went from one person to another, but Nelson Cruz oddly was like a super <laughs> tough at bat for me because I, I think we were, we were in Texas and I like followed the scouting report to a T and I was like, this is okay. This is what you do. You throw this here, you throw that there and you got them beat. No big deal. And I was never one to really, fully digest scouting reports because I felt like I can read and react what's going on and what I'm feeling better than like looking at a piece of paper and saying that that's, that's better than my own intuition. Yeah. Um, and I threw him like a, I don't know, I think it was more of a middle, middle slider and he just hit it like 450 feet. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and then, you know, come up to Seattle, face him again and he like ropes one off the wall. And I'm like, you, this guy isn't just hitting the ball. He is annihilating the baseball. Off me. <laughs> right. and, and he subsequently signs with the Mariners. And I was like, yes. Did you talk to him about it? No, I, I, I told him, well, I talked to him about the home run. Cause I'm like, you remember that home run you hit? He was like, that thing was, that thing was way up there. Yeah. And, you know, the ball flies down to Texas in the summer. Yeah. So the other guy was, uh, my, was like the toughest left-hander I faced. And it's a tie because I think they're both batting like four or 500 at me, you know, granted three or four or five at bats was uh, Robinson Cano, one of them as I in Yankee stadium threw him a great slider. You know, when you throw one and the lefty like backs off, like, Ooh, that was, I thought it was going to hit me. And he like, totally, I was like, I got you. Yeah. I throw the exact same pitch and he hits, hits like a, like a, a great, you know, in the gap double. And I'm like, he did that. He faked me. He totally did that on purpose. Like there was no way that it was, they was that nasty that he was like, Oh, so I felt like I got, finally got schooled. And it was just like the first time I'm like, okay, welcome to the yeah. big leagues kid. The game works a little different for the experienced veterans, him and uh, Adrian Gonzalez. He was the right. other guy. I just felt like he just always put it. He always put a bat on me. Like I, other guys where I'm like, I know I can get it, get it by you. I just felt like he always even fouling it off. Felt like just, I'm like, man, you're, you're a tough out. Those, those are the like, guys I always feel like. Yeah, Adrian Gonzalez, he just looked like, every time he's hitting, he's just like, it looked like he was half asleep and nothing was overwhelming. He's just like, oh, it's probably like, that's 98 at my head. I don't care. Like, yeah. he had that thing and pitching against him. I was like, man, like, you might snap off the nastiest breaking ball. He's just like, yeah, good one. Yeah, I know. And it's Most like, uh, nothing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was impressive to watch how little he was faced, you know? And it was just... Him, another guy I faced, Victor Martinez, same thing. I felt like Victor Martinez was always, you know, my last pitch in the big leagues. I faced him, uh, and he broke a double off me. <laughs> Luckily got out of the jam. But, you know, it's just like another guy that I just look back, I'm like, man, I, I don't know what I could have thrown you. You were going to hit everything. Did you did you play with him with the, the Tigers? Was he with the Tigers when you were with the Tigers? Yeah, he was. Do you, find was. A tough, do you find it tough facing guys that you've played with or you know kind of pretty well? Or do you find it easier? Like, because there's a couple of guys that I knew really well. I was like, oh man, I know everything about this dude. And I just had that, that not that, not, oh, hey, like a scouting report, but I just kind of knew like, 
you know, I know he gets frustrated when this happens. And so I just had that ease of pitching to him. Where other guys are like, oh man, I know this dude, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I just yeah. give it, throw some hanging breaking ball. Do you ever yeah. find that? Uh, a little bit. I, whatever, for some reason, I always felt like if I definitely a good friend of mine I was facing, I always had to throw in on him. I just always had to throw in on him just because. I just yeah. was like, you know what? I'm not going to let you just guide, you know, jump out over the yeah. plate and throw whatever. But also, I was, you know, I, I never really got too nervous about anything because I felt like I could always rely on my breaking ball to ultimately it was the swing and miss pitch, right? Like I could throw it. and Two, two righties felt, too? Yeah, absolutely. Both? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at look back and I'm like, I, I had – I I was always a starter, so I like my whole yeah. life. I didn't. My yeah. first time in the bullpen was when I got called up to the big leagues, right? And that was like the whole transition of like a whole different mentality. Will you? You know what I mean? Being able to have being a starter and having that five day plan and yeah. a plan and prepare and get ready versus yeah, you're in it tomorrow night. You're yeah. in it the next night. You could throw three nights in a row. You could get up seven out of eight nights, and that's a whole another beast in and of itself. Did you, what, what did, and obviously Hulk, your career, you're known as being, you know, lefty out, out of the bullpen. Did you feel, were you more suited for that starter mentality or that bullpen mentality? That's a really good question. Um, I would always, when I look back on it, I, I, I do think to myself, I'm like, all right, well, cause I, when I got traded over here back to like the nervous feelings, I like on a baseball field, yeah. you can say, you say pitching at home, by far the most nervous I had, had ever was ever on a baseball field was when I got traded from Detroit to Seattle on my first day. It was like, Oh my God, the first time I'm pitching, like everyone is eyes like here come yeah. the goggles and they're all like, yeah, let's see what he's thinking. Let's see if he's, you know, breathing. Okay. All this stuff. So I, I felt that, that initial pressure to perform because yeah. the team traded for me. Gotcha. So that was a really, really tough like feeling just to be like, okay, it's all good now. Yeah. But I uh, I started. I think I had ten starts in 2011. And they didn't go so well. I think I finished in like with a five or six ERA or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, had some good games, had some bad games. And then ultimately, uh, was planning on being a starter in 2012. And at the worst case scenario, I basically fill in like I did in Detroit when I got called up as the long man in the bullpen. Yeah. So I was like, I can definitely throw innings, you know. So, and then it just transitioned that spring training to we want you to be the eighth inning like lefty out of the pen. Right. And I, at that point when you're young, you're going, I, I don't, as long as I'm in the show, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as I'm on that plane up. Yeah. You're, you're right. Yeah. So I'd like to think that I had a, I have a starters mentality uh, with a, with a, a hint of reliever, you know, gotcha. I think I'm still more of the starter, you know, but that's like when you, there are things that you have to adjust in the bullpen that you just, you're not ready for. It's like, yeah. Well, I can clean up my own mess as a starter. I can give up a hit or two and still get out of the inning where you come in in the bullpen and it's like, if you don't get this guy, especially us like lefties like us, like if you don't get this left-hander out, you're out of the game. Yeah. And it's like, man, all of my, my day literally is on this one at bat. <laughs> <laughs> and right. it could be two pitches you know see that it, i when i started thinking like that that's when it got me because i was the opposite man i was like i was way more comfortable out of the bullpen i wouldn't get as nervous and yeah and then when i was starting i had too much time to think and i was like worried about this like you know three days to go and i couldn't lost sleep and stuff but then all of a sudden when it was like oh you have to get this lefty i was like oh man you're right dude it's like i've got like five pitches here if i walk him 
There's nothing worse when you come in the face of a hitter, you'll <laughs> walk him. I don't know how many times you've done this. Maybe not that many. I've done it plenty of times. And you just see that manager come out and just like give the right arm to the ball fan. Like, it look like, really, dude? I just wasted yeah. my time on that. Yeah. And just like give him the ball and walk out. It's the worst, mate. That one hitter. My God. Brutal. Yeah. Well, I think that's – and it also on the flip side of that for, for a starter's mentality is that I would come in sometimes and face a lefty just three pitches, you're striking yeah. out. Yeah. Sit down, next guy up. And then the manager still comes out and takes you out. And you're <laughs> like, like some, that's my mentality. It's like, I'm now rolling. Let me yeah. keep rolling. And yeah. let me keep, I don't care who's coming up. Yeah. I'm in the zone right now. Don't just make a move because the stat book or the, right. or, you know, your predictive analysis tells you to. Yeah. Like sometimes that's what I think that we all were starters at one point as pitchers. Yes. And we all have, you know, figured out, once you kind of get in that groove, whatever groove it is for you individually, yeah. you get to a point where you're like, I can get everyone out. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm with it, our, our roles become so specific that it's, it, it becomes hard. It's not necessarily, you know, people would say, oh, it's being a left-handed specialist in the, in the big leagues is like the greatest thing ever. Where it's like, yeah, there are aspects to that, the job that are great, you know, comparatively yeah. to – I guess general workload. If you if you compare it to a starter based on innings, yeah. But the idea that you have to be ready almost every single night to get like the biggest left-handed hitter out, yeah. And in the biggest situations, it's it's uh it's you almost start feeling a little bit like a closer, yeah. But just you know, because it's like I now my role is defined to get this one guy out or get yeah. these set of guys out, and you know that's kind of specific to what closers do, right? Like they're you're just going to get this one inning. You need to get whoever you're going to get, get them all out. Lefty or righty, who cares? Or it's like, that's how I felt. Like sometimes the game was saved in the sixth or seventh inning because there was a big situation. And then, you know, we all know having a clean inning, a clean slate, going out there to pitch is way easier than coming in and trying yeah. to clean up some mess. Big time. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's such an easy job. Just face one hitter. It's like, no, because if I, I have no wiggle room, if I go 2 0 on this guy, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm deep shit. I'm, I'm walking. I'm out of the game, and I lose my job. You right. know, they'll just get someone else to get that one hitter. Yeah, you know, yeah the margin for error is so little. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm done feeling sorry for ourselves here about being left handed. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Charlie, this has been a blast. Dude. Hopefully, you can come back on because there's, there's a, there's still half a page of stuff I wanted to talk to you about here. Well, why don't we do part one, part two? You know, let's do it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, for sure. Let's do. It. I did that with. Did you ever play with Matt Boyd? Was he there after you? No, he was there after me. He after was the time, you, right? Tigers, yeah. He, yeah. he lives out here. He lives out in Seattle, right? Yeah. From, yeah. yeah I, I had him on and basically um, I just, yeah, like I did with this, just jumped around, you know, from topic to topic and, and you know, the stuff I wanted to get to, I never did. So we actually did do a part two. So I'm going to hold you to that. You're going to come back on here. <laughs> and, uh, and plus, you know, there's some people on, um, on the, on a Facebook page. I have wanted me to ask questions. I never got to either. So I'm sorry about that. If you're listening, I'll get to it. I promise. But, um, Charlie, this has been awesome, man. Um, I, uh, yeah, dude, it, it's good. I've ran into it a couple of times, you know, the last couple of years. So it's been good reconnecting. Um, but thanks for, thanks, thanks for your time, dude. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Right? Awesome. I mean, great. Great yeah. chat. I can't wait for part two. And we're around, if you feel like, um, you know, if you want to go to a, oh, are we allowed to go to bars right now? I can't remember. You, want, you need to go get, a, if you want to go get a drink, I'll wear my jersey and you wear yours, right? We're basically just, <laughs> <laughs> mine's all faded out. It's like the old one. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I, I usually wear mine around Green Lake, you know, if I get in this, but, um, so the sun's gotten to it a bit, but yeah. We're out. <laughs> well, at least we like still look like we could play, you know? Yeah, that's I mean? true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Still, still I don't know. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of glad I'm on this Zoom facing up. If you go down a little bit, I've like put on about 30 pounds. So I don't <laughs> Uh, burgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole burger wrap is right here. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, man, I'll let you go. Enjoy your afternoon, and uh, I'm going to hold you to it when you come back on here. Bye. All right. All right. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode of The Top Step with Charlie Furbush. It's, a, it's, it's one of two parts. We're going to do a second part with Charlie. I had too much stuff I need to get to. I had a whole list. But, um, hey, make sure, too, uh, when you have time, you're starting to drive around, you're starting to get in the car a little bit more, and you're doing that road trip or having that workout, go check out www.thetopstep.com and go check out uh, past episodes. I've got Marco Gonzalez. I've got Randy Couture. I've got Adam Ray, John Ryan, a bunch of awesome people and amazing stories. And I've got a couple of really good ones coming up in the next couple of weeks. Guys, I appreciate you pressing that subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube or, you, or you're listening on Apple, Google Play, um, Spotify, whatever it may be. Uh, but I've got to run. Guys, I'll see you next week. Make sure you hit me up, thetopstep.com. Shoot me some questions or uh, any suggestions or feedback. I'd love to hear from you guys. Awesome. We'll see you next week. When you feel weak.